Vision Avoidance, Algodomans Multivoice Podweg, written by Twilight City Sky and voiced by Sky Asimaru as Crowley, War Goddess 9 as Aziraphale, and Chop as Narrator. Summary Aziraphale makes some unauthorized modifications to the Bentley in the name of safety. Aziraphale, who'd recently got hold of a sketchbook at auction that was meant to have belonged to Toulouse-Lautrec, he guessed the drawings were actually René Prince-Tours, but they were lovely, so that was alright, set down the leaf he'd been inspecting and peeled off his gloves. He'd been wondering how long it was going to take. Yes? The shop door banked open. What have you done? Why ever would you imply that I've done something? Crowley strode towards him, brows drawn together, his hair sticking up the way it did when he'd been tugging at it. He pointed at Aziraphale with one hand, but seemed to be struggling to say anything else. His other hand was clenched tight around the Bentley's keyring. Aziraphale smiled to himself. You! You! Would you like a drink? I've just had a case of Chateau Petrus Bumerol delivered, believe it or not, and I've been dying to. Crowley leaned down. The hand he'd been using to point clutched at Aziraphale's lapel. The angel found himself half-pulled and half-dragged over to the double doors and out into the street. The Bentley sat on the double yellows, looking the same as it always had. Really, Crowley was overreacting. You could hardly even tell. Aziraphale unwound Crowley's stiff fingers from his coat and smoothed the fabric. What's all this about, dear? Crowley stared at him for a moment, then gestured at the car. Get in! Aziraphale allowed himself a tiny, satisfied sigh as he buckled the newly installed seatbelt. Crowley, who'd been watching him like a hawk with a mouse, punched at the air and said, Ha! It was you! I knew it! I knew it! I bloody well knew it! Oh, fine. It's not causing any harm, Crowley. Not causing any harm? What's this? That's a rear-view mirror, and it's a standard feature. It's blocking my view, is what it is. And what are those? Side mirrors with blind spot monitoring. Crowley reached out the window and flicked one of the sleek Chrome editions. It blinked. What's? A blind spot. I suppose I should have expected that. And what? Crowley twisted the key in the ignition. The dashboard began to glow. Is this? That is a liquid crystal display console connected to a state-of-the-art driver assistant technology onboard computer, if you must know. Crowley, teeth bared, slammed the car into reverse. 
a backup camera lit up. Crowley made a strangled noise. You could wear your seatbelt too, dear. You... you... Crowley flung his arms out and banged his head against the seat back. Watch the road! It doesn't matter if I watch the road. Look! He hit the accelerator, probably intending to send the car rocketing directly into traffic like he'd done a hundred times before. The Bentley's front bumper arrowed towards the fender of a little green hatchback, but when it got within a meter, it slowed like they were driving through tracker. A red warning flashed on the dashboard screen, and a Kent voice said, Brake. Ah yes, that would be the brake assist, and the forward collision warning. The look Crowley turned on him was furious enough, even through the sunglasses, to make Azira feel wince a little. Why? He asked, teeth clenched. He pulled the Bentley into traffic after waiting for an opening, fingers digging into the leather cover of the steering wheel. Collision avoidance? <laughs> collision avoidance? What for? To avoid collisions, dear. Aziraphir rolled his eyes. There's not... <sighs> I'm a demon. This is a demon's car. A demon's car doesn't need to be kept out of trouble. A demon's car is the trouble. It doesn't have to be. You're the one always going on about how you and I are on our own side now. Oh, don't you dare use that against me. I'm not. I'm saying I agree. It's... I'm... We're on the same side. We're not the same person. And just because you need to put gloves on to touch a book doesn't mean my car needs to be... be... He snapped his fingers irritably, searching. His brain threw up a cart, what he'd heard during the early days of Minding Warlock. Baby proofed! I think you're being a bit dramatic. Crowley replied succinctly. He rounded a roundabout and swung south, heading towards Battersea. The turn signal clicked on for him. Aziraphale had added some occult touches to the vehicle safety options available on the current market. They drove in strained silence until the satellite map software helpfully asked, in a robotic voice, if it could direct them to the nearest petrol station. Crowley turned and gave Aziraphale a wordless, venomous look. Now, you can't tell me onboard navigation wouldn't have been helpful when we were trying to find our way to Tadfield, Aziraphale said. They merged onto the A3. Aziraphale tried again. What's wrong with taking a few precautionary measures? It's my car! Crowley leaned on the gas pedal, but the acceleration had ceased with the arrow on the tick mark corresponding to 78. 
Crowley snarled and shook the steering wheel. Aziraphale! The speed limiter had probably been a step too far. Aziraphale snapped his fingers. Fine, I'm sorry about that one. It's gone, see? He was pressed into the back of his seat as the car leaped forward. But, he said once he got his breath back, Why not leave the rest of it? Have a safety net. You do hit things sometimes. You never liked my car. A muscle in Crowley's jaw was twitching. Aziraphale's mouth dropped open. Of course I like your car, he said affronted. You don't. When it blew up, you didn't say a thing. Now you're just being childish. Crowley glared straight ahead. That was all right. Aziraphale could handle the silent treatment. Hadn't he gotten it for nearly a century once? He sniffed and looked out the window as the trees blurred past. He'd thought Crowley would take them a little ways down the A3 and then turn back. There wasn't much more to see. The demon had uncovered all of the Bentley's new safety features. Apart from the smart cruise control, which would require him to discover the Bentley had cruise control in the first place. But instead they were picking up speed, weaving around other drivers, sailing down the M25 to pick up the M23 at Warwick World. Finally, Aziraphale sighed. All bite. Where are we going? A siren sounded. A bank of flashers sprang to life as a police car clambered off the broad shoulder and hurried after them. But Crowley waved a hand and they fell away. Got something I want to show you. But we need to be out of the city. How far out? Crowley didn't answer. Soon they were speeding by patchwork fields, skeletal trees, and wild undergrowth that had jumped the guardrails and began to encroach on the road itself. After another interminable half-hour, Aziraphale said, Crowley, this is silly. I don't know what point you're trying to make, but will you please just make it so we can go home? Instead of answering, Crowley said, So... You think the Bentley's not safe? Startled, Aziraphale looked over. The light was dimming, but he could see the tips of elongated canines depressing the demon's lower lip. A suggestion of scales, translucent but beginning to darken, marched across his cheeks. It has room for improvement. They really were going quite fast. What are you worried about? Crowley deliberately took his hands off the wheel. Crowley! A collision? Who cares? You're an angel! We could be discorporated, and good luck getting a new body out of your lot after your performance in the bathtub last month. Be sensible! 
Aziraphale closed his eyes. The front wheels of the Bentley had started to wobble from sheer force. Not sensible, though, am I? Sensible's not a common personality trait for demons. Crowley grinned. The back of his jacket was beginning to look strangely humped. Yes, I know that. That's why I... He shut his mouth and took a deep breath. If it upsets you all that much, I'll put the car back the way it was. Will you slow down now? Don't think that would really be me, Crowley said, looking thoughtful. His nails had sharpened, and he made a show of examining them. The steering wheel jerked. Aziraphale was jostled hard as the Bentley's wheels hit the shoulder of the road and careened back towards the center line. Crowley! I don't know what's gotten into you, but let me out if you're going to make a scene. Nothing's gotten into me. I'm just being myself. What about you, Angel? Have you spread your wings lately? Do you even remember how? Stop it! The unpiloted Bentley was wandering into the other lane, not that this road was even wide enough for two. Aziraphale gripped his door handle. The small part of his brain not occupied with this imminent discorporation noticed he could smell the ocean. We'll crash! And that's dangerous, is it? Of course it is! As dangerous as having an arrangement with a demon, or being friends with one. Crowley, for heaven's sake! Off to their left was a desolate stretch of beach, bordered by chalk cliffs. Crowley abruptly floored the accelerator, twisted the wheel and grabbed Aziraphale by the rest. Let's find out. Ten crowded seconds later, Crowley was winging out over white-capped waves. Aziraphale chased him, clawing for height, trying to catch an updraft. Passing through the solid roof of, for example, a still-moving car was simple enough. There was a lot of space between atoms if you knew what you were doing. He was out of shape. A burning ache twisted sharply across his shoulders and spread down his back. He'd be feeling this for days. Crowley, come back down here this instant. Look at that. Everything was all right after all. Aziraphale glanced down. The Bentley had rolled to a stop on the packed sand. Of course Crowley wouldn't let her come to harm. There was an uncomfortable realization behind that thought, but Aziraphale pushed it aside. Crowley banked gracefully, swinging around to face him. He was sharper than usual, all hard angles and pointed teeth, but his expression was wounded. Why do you want the car to go slower? 
It never would have hurt you, Aziraphale. Never. Aziraphale cast his eyes skyward. I know that. Crumple itself into scrap metal first. Crowley's eyes were bare, white and yellow from edge to edge. Aziraphale searched forward and caught his wrists. I know. So why do you want it to change? Not good enough to be with the angel the way it is? Not enough safety features? Crowley's skin was fully half scales now. His coat whipped and snapped on his thin frame, buffeted by the wind. For pity's sake, Crowley, I don't want it to change. But I do want it to stay in one piece. Crowley twisted out of his grip. It always has. No, it hasn't. It didn't the day the world nearly ended. Adam is the only reason it's still here. And he's human now. So from here on out, it's up to me. Though the surf boomed below them, there was a moment of relative silence. Crowley blinked. Aziraphale wasn't finished. I've always done my best, haven't I? I've tried to keep it safe, despite being thwarted. Thwarted? Yes, thwarted. At every turn. The speeding, the reckless disregard for traffic signals. Always racing off without thinking to places it's got no business being. Flaming motorways, churches, holy war zones, an angel's jail cell. White, hang on. Is this still about the car? And that's without even mentioning the holy water. No holy water, I said. End of discussion. But of course, you plan some stupid caper, and I have to give it to you anyway. And then I have to watch you drive away with it in a car that doesn't even have a seatbelt. And I'm not supposed to have any feelings about that? The sun was a sliver of light above the waves. They fell in beside each other in the gathering darkness almost unconsciously, a habit left over from when the world was new and sparsely populated, and they could still afford to stretch their wings from time to time. Aziraphir gritted his teeth and tried to keep his extra eyes to himself. Whenever he had his wings out, they wanted to break free. Eventually, Crowley said, Your bookshop's not safe either, you know, for the record. Aziraphale leaned into the headwind and flapped so he could hover upright. Crowley's face, now angular and streaked with scales, with lovely brow ridges that shadowed his larger-than-usual citron eyes, was set stubbornly. Candles on every flat surface, full of paper, and so choked with book dust, the air's probably inflammable too. No question it's tempting, what with all the, uh, the rare books and things. Lots of stuff someone might want. But good luck ever getting anywhere without tripping over a ladder or a weird statue or accidentally setting the whole place on fire. This isn't about me. 
A few eyes took advantage of Aziraphale's moment of distraction and popped into existence around him. I didn't say you, did I? Said your bookshop, Crowley said in the most infuriating tone, enunciating carefully despite the forked tongue Aziraphale could see between his teeth. Sure, the storefront looks respectable on the outside, but you never know what to expect. The opening hours are a joke, the proprietor makes some very questionable choices, plus he might just fuck off to Paris for brioche in the middle of an actual revolution, and then where will you be? That's not fair. There were extenuating circumstances. Oh. Oh, right. Extenuating. Crowley threw both hands out wide. Is I was peckish code for, please don't worry, Crowley, I'm on a secret holy mission that requires me to get my head chopped off. Because if so, you didn't mention it. You never told me you worried about me. You never said you were worried about me. Fair's fair. They spiralled around each other in ever-diminishing circles. Aziraphale's heart was trying to climb up into his throat. When you put it like that, keeping him, uh, keeping the bookshop out of trouble, had been almost as much work for Crowley as... You've got something. Just here. Crowley said suddenly and touched his cheek. Probably his gold markings were showing through. The humans had always puzzled over them, wanting to know if his corporation contained precious metals, so he'd learned to keep them hidden, even when he was on active apparition duty. The brush of those long fingers was a startling jolt of electricity. Aziraphale's wings twitched. He closed his eyes and sucked in a breath. I love the Bentley. I don't want it to crash. I love the bookshop. I don't want it to burn. Aziraphale mantled his wings around Crowley, who flapped, startled, and caught the angel in his arms. They dropped slowly toward the waves under their combined weight, but Crowley was kissing him, so that was all right. To an angel and a demon, the rules of physics aren't so much rules as suggestions, so they didn't get wet. Aziraphale hit the surface of the ocean, rolled onto his back, and spread his wings. The hand that Crowley wasn't using to undo his bow tie landed next to the angel's elbow, sharp claws making tiny, circular ripples on the surface. Crowley put the tie away with a wisp of silk. Underneath the insistent thrum of arousal the urgent kisses had kindled, 
mouths open and wet, Crowley's forked tongue against his as the demon moaned shakily, and Josiraphil tried to stop himself trembling, the angel in him clamoured for attention, wanting him to drop his human appearance like a discarded cloak. He resisted. He wanted working sensory nerves for the next hour or so, thank you very much. But even so, he'd completely broken out in eyes. There'd be no getting rid of the things for days. Celestial gold filigree marched down the bridge of his nose and spread over his cheekbones. He glowed, and Crowley, lovely, graceful, sinuous, serpentine Crowley, had pulled back and was staring with his mouth open. I'm sorry. Crowley seemed to be making an effort to scale back the scales, even though his legs were tangled up with the zebra fields as tightly as any snake could wind, and he was hissing his sibilance again. He looked frustrated. I suppose this is why you decided to give the Bentley training wheels. You did to the car what you couldn't do to me. He paused and took in Aziraphale's baffled expression. Make me safer for you. What? Angel, demon, probably explode. You go too fast for me. I am a great deal holier than thou. My word, have you been keeping a journal? I mean, I know you said I was forgiven. Thanks for that. But the point is, I'm not exactly someone you can bring home to Mum. I think you're a little confused. Aziraphale stroked the sensitive down at the base of Crowley's left wing, prompting Crowley to shiver all over and grip his shoulders so tightly he felt the prick of talons through his coat. After everything we've been through, do you still believe I don't want you as you are? You didn't want to crash. This is crashing. Aziraphale laughed. The waves rocked the entwined bodies, the motion turning the laugh into a moan as Crowley Sips pressed down into him. His cock was heavy between his legs, aching to the point of pain, and he kissed Crowley once, twice, pushing his tongue into his mouth without waiting for an invitation. Crowley gasped around him and followed his lips, Eyes shut and expression desperate when Aziraphale pulled away. Wait, wait, let me say this, he muttered, putting a steadying hand on Crowley's cheek. It's too late, you must know that, darling. I'm recklessly in love. I veered off the road the moment I met you, and there's no safety feature in the universe that could have stopped me. His finger slid down over Crowley's jaw, tracing the long tendon in his neck. Maybe I did what I did to the Bentley because I wanted you to slow down and notice me. Crowley hissed, a noise that was part arousal and part frustration. 
you're unbelievable. Notice you. I've been pounding on the door of your bookshop for years. Uh, metaphorically speaking. I know I can be difficult. I'll try to make it easier to get in. Is that a metaphor? Elziophil let Crowley take a slower lip between his teeth, bite down until the points of his canines nearly pierced a sensitive flesh. He spread his thighs at the sharpness of the sensation, pain deepening the pleasure that had blood rushing to his cock until it twitched with every frantic beat of his heart. Heavens, he wasn't going to last long, no matter what they got up to, but he'd hoped... As a matter of fact, I'd like to find out... Oh! Crowley's tongue was against his neck, making a fluttering motion that curled the angel's toes. He got the rest out in stuttery, shaking half-moans. We broached the topic of... of receptive bodies at one point, and... Crowley searched up, and his tongue was back in Aziraphale's mouth, probing and greedy, which was as good an answer as any. The waves pushed them gradually closer to shore. Aziraphale yanked Crowley's shirt up to explore the white scales on his lower belly, and Crowley raked claw-tipped fingers through Aziraphale's primaries. The angel arched and cried out, tearing their mouths apart, grinding unashamedly on the hard ridge trapped against Crowley's thigh, and pulling the demon closer by his belt loops. <sighs> You're okay with occult accessories? Because when I get, um, well, when things are physical, they tend to come out. Same here with the angel accoutrements, I'm afraid. I hope you don't mind feathers in your bed. Aziophil leaned up, cheeks flushed and whispered against the shell of Crowley's ear. Touch my wings when you fuck me. Pull on them. Yank them towards you like we're fighting. I've thought about that. He pressed his lips together, astonished at his staring, but too aroused to be very embarrassed. Crowley looked at him like a Xerophil had hit him over the head, expression dazed, then began to bite ferocious kisses against his mouth and neck. His body was shaking. Soon enough, they were washing up on the sand. Aziraphale winced at the touch of wet grittiness against the small of his back, where his shirt had pulled out of his waistband. He pushed back and sat up. Not on the beach, though. I'm far too old to get sand in all my crevasses. Crowley brushed him off, always the gentleman. <sighs> back to the bookshop? Ah, uh, no, I'm afraid I... Crowley's hand found the bulge in his trousers. He stroked lightly, then pressed against it with the heel of his palm when Aziraphale gripped his lapels and groaned. Don't want to slow down. Fuck. Fuck, oh angel. Aziraphale looked around frantically as Crowley pinched and rolled a nipple through his shirt, 
all the while sucking at a sensitive spot between his neck and jaw. A patch of grass would do, a large rock even. Kya, are you sure? Christ, Angel, yes. I don't want a dozen beeping collision alarms in the Bentley, but I do want to fuck you against the bonnet. You could have just asked. Sorting out clothing when neither of them was fully human-shaped might have been a challenge, but what were miracles for, after all? The chill of steel against his bare skin stole his breath, but Crowley was pressing in behind him, and he was hot as the fires of hell. Elzeraphil closed his eyes. He'd been dancing over coals for millennia now, trying to keep Crowley just outside the door. He'd wanted him, but he'd been frightened for him and, if he was wincingly and blinkingly honest, frightened of him. Afraid of the slither in his step and the way his slitted eyes blazed when he saw something new. Afraid he'd speed off in pursuit of more thrilling curves and leave a zero feel behind. So he'd hidden himself away in a maze of half-truths and wake and ehemans and wistful proclamations about someday. He'd given Crowley the occasional crump, just so he'd keep trying the lock, all the while holding the door closed from the other side. Where had it gotten him in the end? They'd both been left with a score of raw wounds, tangled up in regrets, with the ruin of their past still smoking in the newly installed rearview mirror. Collision avoidance, indeed. But now they'd crashed, and it hadn't hurt at all. Crowley was here. There were dark wings around him. Hot, sweat-slick skin pressed against his back, broken by slippery patches of scales. And a long, firm cock nudged between his buttocks, sliding sweetly back and forth while Crowley panted against his neck. Harsh breaths that sounded like sobs. Aziraphale's throat was so tight suddenly that he could hardly say the words. You didn't go to Alpha Centauri. You didn't leave me for heaven. Crowley's wiry arms circled his chest and held him tight. You weren't destroyed by holy water. Aziraphale put his palms on the Bentley's bonnet. He spread his thighs wide. You didn't burn up in that fire. Oh, oh, fuck. Crowley slid against his rim, caught, slid away. He was spreading his own slickness, and it wouldn't be enough, but there were advantages to being not quite human-shaped. Aziraphale ran a hand down his spine until he brushed the tiny protuberance of his oil gland, always present on his body when his wings were out. Finger slippery, he took Crowley's cock in a loose fist and coated it, hand just in front of Crowley's hand, 
feeling the scratch of his claws. Crowley shivered. His hips bucked, and he clamped his free arm tighter around Aziraphale. They guided him forward together, and Aziraphale dropped away when Crowley began to push inside, returning his palm to the Bentley and bending forward so his brow nearly touched the glossy surface. Aziraphale had always thought he liked long, sun-drenched afternoons with his books. Before today, he would have said his favorite things were citrus-infused or grady, and the smell of old paper and Mendelssohn playing on the gramophone. He wasn't the sort of person who wanted to break speed limits or jump from high places, and he certainly wasn't the person who got fucked against a car on a deserted stretch of beach under the cover of evening. But he was learning new things about himself every day. To hell with going slow. To hell with safety. He was an angel, and it was past time to start being an angel, just as hard as he could. The pressure of the intrusion was overwhelming, and the ice in his face squeezed shut. He saw prisms and starbursts and distorted, wavy lines with his two dozen extras. The world shattered into colorful shards like smashed carnival glass. Crowley felt huge inside him, so hot he found his fingertips scrabbling on steel, his toes digging into the sand, even as he pushed back to take him harder and deeper. When Crowley's thighs were flush against his buttocks, he moaned, mouth slack and lids fluttering, letting his body relax. His limbs were heavy. He sank onto his elbows and let his cheek against the car, feeling the blissful coolness, surrendering as Crowley thrust tentatively forward. His orbiting eyes showed him the demon's face from twenty angles. Heavy, half-serpentine brows were drawn back as if in pain, but his mouth, open and panting, lower lip slick, told a different story. Claw-tipped hands cupped his buttocks, brushed his limp wingtips, and stroked his sides. Restless, as if he couldn't decide where he wanted to touch. Aziraphale had hardly allowed himself to have expectations of this moment, but secretly he thought Crowley would make love like he'd rough. That he'd be scared, smooth, and perhaps a touch impatient. He hadn't expected to be handled like one of his own antique books. He hadn't pictured Crowley looking so utterly overcome as he rocked gently inside him, building the warmth in his belly slow and sweet, like honey dripping from a spoon. Aziraphale, angel, Crowley's voice was strained. He tentatively stroked the ridges of Aziraphale's wings, and there was that pleasure spark again. Sharp, 
the one he'd felt when Crowley touched his cheek. Aziraphale hissed and scratched the Bentley's smooth finish. Have me, love. I don't. I don't. Crowley sounded helpless, lost, like he wasn't even sure what he was asking. It's all right. Aziraphale smiled. He felt so free. I had it all wrong, don't you see? You don't need to go slower. I needed to catch you up. There wasn't much she could do to encourage Crowley from this position, but she ground his hips back, urging a faster pace. For a moment, Crowley seemed at war with his body. Aziraphale saw the moment he surrendered, eyes sliding shut. His lips pulled back, he gripped a great double handful of secondary feathers and began to thrust, hard, his length slipping almost fully free before he surged forward again. Aziraphale couldn't help the noises he was making, choked moans that built to full-throated wails. He couldn't help the way his intrinsic radiance blazed from the center of his chest until the beach was flooded with light and the cover of darkness was well and truly blown. The Bentley rocked on her springs, faster and faster as Crowley's control dissolved completely. He pulled Aziraphale's wings backwards until the muscles burned, using them as leverage to fuck him as deep as he could manage. His hips snapped, and the sound of skin against skin mingled with the cries of startled seagulls, and Aziraphale's fingertips stuck into the bonnet of the car, leaving ten perfect dents. He was floating, suspended on a horrible, wonderful, razor-thin edge of pleasure. He couldn't bear it another moment. He wanted it never to stop. Then Crowley shuddered and quaked and bit his shoulder with pointed teeth. Aziraphale felt the sharp sting of inhuman warmth spilling inside him as the demon went boneless, Sweaty forehead pressed to the back of Aziraphale's neck. He reached down to stroke him, all the while he was still rigid and twitching inside the angel, rubbing himself as best he could against a spot so sweet that Aziraphale was mad with it. He writhed, caught between the hand on him and the prick up him, until he was shaking apart, incandescent, wings snapping and all his eyes squeezing shut as the pleasure took him. When time started again, Aziraphale was very conscious that he was bent over an antique car ten yards from a country road, Naked and bewinged and waned in a web of luminescent gold from forehead to anger. Somehow he couldn't picture Gabriel doing this, but then again, perhaps that was the point.
He started to gather his eyes, the way he supposed a human would pick up clothing off the floor. Crowley laughed breathlessly against his neck. <laughs> you look nice. Suits you. I've got to stop glowing. We've made a spectacle of ourselves. <laughs> no one will notice, Crowley said, and Aziraphale knew that no one would. He turned as Crowley slid from him, reaching to touch the sharp corner of his jaw. Already the marks of the serpent were fading, and though Aziraphale loved them, he loved every part of the creature in his arms, even the dangerous ones, he realized he hadn't kissed Crowley's fully human mouth yet. He remedied that. I'm sorry about the car, he murmured against his lips. They surveyed the damage. In addition to Aziraphale's earlier additions, the Bentley's bonnet now bore a perfect impression of Aziraphale's fingertips. There was a hazy area of lighter paint, the glossy black faded almost grey, probably due to short-term but extremely intense radiation damage. Aziraphale realized his semen was dripping slowly down the radiator grill and covered his face with his hands, mortified. There was a beat of silence, then Crowley began to laugh. <laughs> Poor old girl. You've had a long day. I don't know what got into me. Crowley raised a lewd eyebrow, shoulders still shaking. Aziraphale pursed his lips. Hmm. <laughs> I should leave it like this. A perfect record of the collision. Don't you dare. Let me fix it. Aziraphale met his eyes, and Crowley's grin faded into a soft, wandering smile. All of it. I didn't have the right. That's okay. Aziraphale raised his eyebrows. Crowley shrugged. She's my car. Whether or not she's got a backup camera. You nearly discorporated us to prove a point about safety features, and suddenly it doesn't matter? Well, part of you, isn't it? Just like that tartan bike rack. With everything that just happened, uh, it turns out I don't mind so much. Crowley mumbled, cheeks flushing. Aziraphale considered this. Perhaps the bookshop could also do with some updates. Yeah, I didn't mean what I said about the bookshop. Except the part about me loving it. I definitely love the bookshop. Loved it since the 14th century. And that's a conservative estimate. Aziraphale gave him a look that was probably lovesick to the point of saccharinity. I was thinking about getting a few potted plants, if you know anyone who could spare some. Oh, yeah, might do, said Crowley with an expression of pleased, baffled wonderment. Then he seemed to give up on words, pulling Aziraphale in by the hand and kissing him softly and sweetly, lips layered. 
In the end, they wiped the Bentley clean, fixed the paint, and did away with the blind spot monitors. Crowley declared the computer system with its LCD screen was an extravagant, unnecessary eyesore, and therefore was properly demonic and allowed to stay. Aziraphale privately thought this had something to do with the massive library of Bebop on Crowley's phone and the potential of Bluetooth, but kept this to himself. The dance in the bonnet stayed too. Crowley said a major collision would be expected to leave a mark. And that the car would never be the same again, but that was alright. Aziraphale reflected that the bookshop would never be the same either. And that love made people act like fools sometimes. But they were an angel and a demon and could get themselves out of any trouble they got into. As they drove towards London, Aziraphale said, I was right, you know. Hmm? Crowley had one hand on the wheel and the other on Aziraphale's thigh, and the casual possessiveness of the gesture was making Aziraphale distinctly warm below his navel. Angel, demon, we certainly exploded. He grinned. Crowley groaned. However, at the time I was wondering specifically about inhabiting your body, and I'm not sure we've answered that question. The rest of his sentence was lost as Crowley hit the accelerator. They did 110 all the way home, and Aziraphale didn't mind a bit. The end.